0: 1 John chapter 2, let me just do a little recap from last week. We talked about the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. So if we know the truth, uh, the truth will set us free, but we learned how to be free from pride, free from unforgiveness, free from shame and guilt. Uh, Today we'll kind of talk about a couple of those, but let's talk about freedom. Because whenever you can get the Holy Spirit, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And so you and I need to get filled with the Holy Spirit, get filled with the word so that it all kind of takes shape in us, that we are free from everything. The child of God should never be in bondage to anything. Bondage was what we were all under before Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And the Bible describes some of these things. Uh, we, We went through a little bit about pride, but I want to mention it again because pride is a killer of your life. I mean, a lot of things will kill you, but pride will just simply kill you. It'll keep you far from God. He, because he, he, what? He resists the proud. Uh, so here's a scripture. It says, chapter two, first John chapter two, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So I just notice that term, the pride of life is not of the father, it's of the world. So you and I are responsible to take take an account of our life and see where we have pride. Happens all the time. It pops up all the time. And you need to be real honest about it. Where are you prideful? What is it doing to your life? Well, it's keeping you far from God. It's keeping you from the blessings and the promises of God. If ever, you know, your prayer's not getting answered and you've got troubles, I'd check your unforgiveness and I'd check your pride first. Those two things. And then I'd move on into selfishness. How selfish am I being about everything in this life? If I can't walk in love, uh, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be resisted by God. I'm just not going to be able to get what I need in this life to overcome and succeed. And people do it with big fat heads. It's like, can't you see how fat your head is? oh, I've got a fat head. Yeah, you do. You can't, you can't even get through the door. You're so fat. You're so fat headed. You're you're so puffed up with knowledge. You can't even get through the door. I mean, nobody here, they, they usually go to other churches, but if you have a hard time sitting in church here, maybe your head's too big. Anyway, um, you know, the scripture, Jesus said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So you have to keep yourself low. The kingdom of God is always the opposite of the world. The world tries to pump self up. The world wants to make sure everybody knows what self has done. The Christian does just the opposite. If you want to get big, you got to get small. If you want to, uh, if you want to be first, you got to be last. Isn't that right? Uh, you know, Second Chronicles 7, if my people... Which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn. Okay, so that's applied individually to us. We apply those Old Testament promises like that, not to a whole nation, but to individuals. If you'll humble yourself, then all of a sudden God will turn things around for you. Praise the Lord. And we could move this into pride equals submitting. So the reason you get into big conflicts with people is because two people butt heads. What does that mean? That means somebody's not giving, somebody's going to have to give in on this. And so we can say submitting is part of humbling yourself. And that means it goes through, you take, take all the arenas of life. We could say uh, parents, coaches, uh, spouses. What happens when a player of a team doesn't submit to the coach? Benched. What happens when an employee doesn't submit to a boss? Fired. What happens when a child doesn't submit to a parent? Chastised. My favorite word in the Bible. It's the word in the Bible that gets my attention more than any other. You know, my name is not one of the books of the Bible. You know, you you guys who are named John, I feel real sorry for you. Or Peter, you know, you guys who... I feel sorry for y'all because every time the word John is you're like, John, yeah, John, yeah, John, 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 John. But for me, the only word that gets me is chastised. And every time somebody says chastised, I'm like, oh. Just so you know what goes on inside me. What happens when a wife doesn't submit to her husband in things she ought to, uh, the relationship is injured. You know, he can't penalize her. So what happens is he ends up with a brawling woman in a white house. And I'm just quoting the Proverbs. Uh, And what happens when a husband won't submit to God? You know how rough the family is? When a husband barges through life thinking he owns the world. And is the king of everything, even though he's not all that smart. You know how rough that is on a wife? (laughs) When a husband can't be humbled to God, do the right thing uh, in honor of God. So submission is a big part of you not being in pride. You're going to have to submit to the word of God. Jesus said, "If if you don't fall on this rock, then it'll fall on you. And he's talking about himself, yes, but he's also talking about he being the rock, the word of God. If you don't fall upon the word of God and let it break you, uh, then it'll fall on you and crush you. It's a big deal, isn't it? So when you read the Bible, you have to say, ooh, and let it get to you. Praise the Lord. Um, what happens when we don't all submit one to another at the appropriate times? Friction, conflict, dishonor disunity. So you're going to have to get rid of your pride and just be okay with submitting one to another or your prayers won't get answered. They just won't get answered. You'll find you, you feel like, you know, all these things, you have all this great faith, but you just can't seem to break through and get an answer. A lot of it has to do with that. All right. Turn with me to Romans chapter eight. Everybody say, whew. The problem with pride is that it, <laughs> it's self-fulfilling. If you stand there and say, I don't have pride, <laughs> proud people always feel like they, I don't have any pride. Uh, anyway, we'll, 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 do it. we'll do pride another day. Everybody. <laughs> We'll give you just little drops of it so you can handle it. But I, I do encourage you make sure you're addressing some of these things so that you're very, very humbled to God, humbled to people. You don't have to protect yourself or put self out there or uh, make sure people understand how wonderful you are. We already know. We do. People are just wonderful, aren't they? Listen, all people are just Wonderful. Even the really mean people are just wonderful people. And you know, have you ever watched television? And you know, if you you watch any television at all, you're going to see 98%, okay, 75% just not very great people, right? The way they talk, the way they think. If you watch the news, man, you're going to be a little bit angered uh, within about the first 60 seconds, right? About something. Or you hear, anyway, here's the secret to watching television, mute it. If you'll mute the television, you can actually watch it. And then what you see are people. And they look wonderful. And they're made in God's image and they're lovely. And you can stomach it. And you start having compassion. If there's anybody you don't like on television, mute it and just start falling back in love with people. You'll start having compassion on people as long as you don't have to hear what they say. So people, people are wonderful. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Spend some time thinking about how wonderful people are. I got, all I got was a mm-hmm. Well, she didn't say it with that tone. She said mm-hmm. All I got was one mm-hmm. It sounds like y'all need to be praying in tongues. Listen, if you're having a hard time loving people or loving the unlovable or having compassion on the normal, then you need to pray in tongues more. Because praying in tongues softens you up. Praying in tongues help you edify yourself so you can keep yourself in the love of God. This is Jude 20. So you can keep yourself in the love of God, you need to be praying in tongues. And uh, if you're not, then you're not soft enough. You're not tender enough. You're not gentle enough with people if you're not praying in tongues. So you need to be praying in tongues. Brother, you need to be praying in tongues. All of you need to be praying in tongues. That's why I've always said I would pay you to pray in tongues if I could. It's that valuable. I would pay you. Anybody want to pay church members to pray in tongues? Let's pay all the mean church members to pray in tongues more (laughs) Oh wait, we don't, we don't have any of those. Uh. I'm just trying to help you realize that if you're a little bit uh, on edge, you haven't been praying in tongues. If you're a little irritable, you haven't been praying in tongues. If you're uh, a kind of ornery, you haven't been praying in tongues. I'm talking about praying in tongues.. I'm talking about doing that for 30 minutes an hour. Now there's no interpretation. I was just showing you praying in tongues by yourself on purpose daily. We'll let you skip one day a week, six days a week, praying in tongues, fervently, 30 minutes, hour, something like that. You can cover part of that in your car when you're driving, but make sure you have some, some silent time at home where you're just grinding it out in tongues. Why do we say it that way? Because praying in tongues helps you get out of the flesh and into the spirit. To get out of the flesh, you have to pray in tongues, and it's like chopping trees to get through the forest. And then all of a sudden, every time I pray in tongues, wham, there I'm in the opening again. And all of a sudden now, things can flow, and I can see things, and I can learn things from God, and I can hear his voice better, and I'm a little more tender. You owe it to your spouse to pray in tongues. You owe it to your kids. You owe it to your boss. You owe it to your employees. You owe it to everybody to pray. You owe it to God to pray. You owe it to yourself to pray in tongues. It is the secret for spirit-filled Christians. It really is. The Holy Ghost and your uh, allowance for him to give utterance in prayer through you is a huge advantage. Okay, And the Christian that doesn't take advantage of that just doesn't have enough revelation of it. And that's why everybody gets filled with the Spirit. We give them that red book. What's the red book say? Why tongues? tongues. What's the red book say? Why tongues? Why Why do you need tongues? If you don't have a revelation of why tongues, you won't pray in tongues. And it'll be, well, I don't need tongues. You know, I don't know what it does anyway. Can you tell that's the person that needs to speak in tongues? Well, I spoke in tongues one time. Yeah, been there, done that you don't have revelation of praying in tongues and you're not going to have the advantage and we're going to have to put up with you because of it. Praise the Lord. Romans eight. Let's move on from pride, selfishness, and unlove because really you're supposed to be free from those things. You're, as a Christian, you're supposed to get free from those things. If the greatest command is love, what's the greatest sin? Unlove. 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 If the greatest command is love, God, love your neighbor, what's the greatest sin? It, you know, there's, no, there's no measure of sin. There's no levels of sin. Well, let's just say the opposite of the great command is unlove. That means to be rude or irritable is, is the worst sin. To not consider one another is the worst sin. It's all it's all the worst sin. Anything done outside of considering your brother and loving your brother is a sin. Big sin. Okay? People thought that murder was the biggest, but hates hate is unlove. It's just as bad as murder. Look, I didn't make the rules. Jesus, he changed, Jesus changed the rules. Old Testament, 10 commands, top commands. Jesus changed the rules. Now you can't hate. And if you hate, you're a murderer. Old Testament, adultery was a big deal. Now, if you just look, you've committed the same thing. Unlove is the worst thing of all. And it covers every sin. So let's move on, move on from there. Praise the Lord. Okay, so freedom from fear was the next thing I wanted to mention. Uh, Chapter 8, Romans, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to deeds the death of the, excuse me, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. It's it's an amazing connection here that either you can have the spirit of adoption from God or you can have the spirit of bondage again to fear. So either you're in bondage or you're an adopted son. You're not supposed to be in fear if you're adopted into the family. Why? Because I'm in the family. Why? Because uh, I'm going to go tell my dad. Anything comes up, I'm going to go tell my dad because he would never leave me hanging. Financial crisis, I'm telling my dad. Not afraid of losing my job, I'm telling my dad. If you've been adopted into the family, you don't have to be afraid of anything. Glory. Glory. And so, you know, it would be almost dishonorable of the cross if we didn't address anything we felt in bondage to. So if you're in bondage to all, you know, only you know the inside of you, where are you stuck? Uh, Where are you not experiencing the freedom that's in Christ Jesus? Where are you worried? Where are you fretful? Where are you anxious? What do you dread in this life? You know, everybody dreads a a little something that you have to deal with until you deal with it. It's there. It's a dread. Some people dread the end of the month. They got to pay their bills. If you're dreading that, you're not free from the bondage of it. And And then I dare to say that God is not fully involved in your financial life because you're too worried. All right, Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews two, I think I quoted this last week, but let's read it here. Hebrews 2.14, 2.13, Hebrews 2.13. And again, I will put my trust in him So trust is the opposite of fear, right? Faith is the opposite of fear. And again, here I am in the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Praise the Lord. Notice that Jesus, through death, has released those who, through fear of death, were subject to bondage. So you have to recognize that the cross of Jesus Christ has freed us from the fear of death. And most people are like, well, I don't know. I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of getting maimed and having to live with no harm or something. People are afraid of the process of death, and then some are actually still afraid of death. There's no reason for anybody in the room to be afraid of death. I mean, really, there's no reason to be afraid of death at all, nor nor how you die. Don't be afraid of anything. That's what it was before Christ defeated death. So you and I have to sit there for a moment and say, wait a second, okay, all right, I'm not afraid then. What would I be afraid of? What would I be afraid of? Hmm, what would I be afraid of? Am I afraid of anything? What is it that I might be afraid of? Anything I refuse to be afraid of anything. You got to contemplate these things and talk it through with yourself and then get the Holy Ghost involved and find some scripture like this and quote it out loud until all of a sudden I am free from fear of death. And that could be, you know, actual physical death. It could also be incipient death, sickness. Some people are just afraid of sicknesses. You know, all you got to do is watch TV for a moment, you'll see some commercials that remind you all the problems you might be having. And then people, that plants a seed in people. That plants a seed in people. Seed, you know, seed is really the biggest problem we have out there. Bad seed is what people are getting from the world. Amen. And that's what's happening to our young people. They're, they're hearing all these bad seeds that aren't truth, getting, and it's getting planted in their heart, and they're having to contemplate. Well, I wonder if I'm gay. Well, I wonder if I'm, if I, am I really a boy or a girl? All of that is seed-driven because they're hearing it from people, TV, teachers, friends. Everybody's contemplating all these evil things, and it's planting seed in our kids. So you as parents have to do uh, really diligent work to pluck those seeds out. As fast as they get in, pluck them out. Stop them from getting in as best you can, but just keep keep plucking them. I mean, you're going to have to pluck them until they're 21 years old. Pluck those seeds out. Don't let your children... Harbor those seeds and water those seeds and contemplate those seeds. We have ammunition against those seeds. But fears get in there. Well, fears get in there in kids because of what they're experiencing in the household. So, you know, a large job of the parent is to protect their children from what the parents are facing. I remember my parents, you know, they did a pretty good job of protecting me from the struggles they were going through. That's important for children so they don't get seed of fear birthed in them. So I'm released from the fear of death. How about you? Yeah. We need you to be. God needs you to be. We've done, a, we've done a sermon before on all the different phobias, all the different fears. You know, fear of claustrophobia or agoraphobia, can't go outside. Or There's a fear of peanut butter. Now that one, that's a problem. That's a problem in your life. And, you know, I never had to deal with uh, food allergies, but people are very uh, fearful. If they have a food allergy, they're very fearful to have to eat a nut, accidental nut or something like that. you you got to address that. Listen, I think you can get freed from the fear of it and freed from the allergy of it. Uh, I was healed of sinus allergies. I grew up with them as a kid, had allergies all my life until I found out or realized, you know what? I can... I can actually be healed of this allergy. I'm tired of blowing my nose. (laughs) And I got healed of of a sinus allergy, but food allergies, man, they're even scarier for some, and you need to get over that. You can't just live with these things that have ruined your life. You can't live with things that have put you in bondage. People are in bondage. They can't eat nuts. How can you not You you can't eat pecans. How are you going to live? You can't eat macadamia nuts, pistachios. How do you make it? Peanuts, peanut butter. And if you don't want to, that's okay, but don't do it. Don't not eat those things because you're scared. So address your fears. I mean, uh, you know, anybody that's scared of heights needs to go up in a tall elevator and, and command that fear to leave you and get out of here you got to do what it takes to get over it. Joni overcame spiders by squishing them with her hand. Just just do it. Just do it. Now, don't go pick up poisonous snakes to get over the fear of snakes. (laughs) Deal deal with your snake phobia another way. How about that? Like, okay, let's just take walking in the neighborhood at night and there's a dog coming. Pretend. Do some hypotheticals on yourself. What would you do if a a dog came running at you in the neighborhood? Well, you just go. (laughs) I'm showing my age. (laughs) How many over 40 people are laughing and how many under thirty people have no clue? <laughs> how many of you are just clueless? No. I've thought about it. what would you do if you're about to get attacked by something. Well, I know one thing: you can't be afraid. There's a story, and I think the story is of E.W. Kenyon. Uh, he would go out into the woods, and because of the love of God in his life, animals, wild animals, would come and sit with him. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. There's a way to live where you're above all the fear. Jesus, Jesus was led into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. And the Bible says, with the wild beasts. There's a way to live above all fear of everything, where you're a master of death, you're a master of all things evil, and you're unafraid of anything. Good what if it happened, though? What if, what if it, in the name of the Lord Jesus, no. Good Stop. Work. Treat it like a demon. Yeah. You know, a demon comes flailing at you. What are you going to say? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember the story Benny Hinn told, the first demon he encountered in a church was chasing him all around the stage. (laughs) Benny Hinn went and hid behind the piano. (laughs) Well, he he grew out of that. So you gotta treat evil, harmful things like that. Somebody with a gun comes running in, what are you gonna do? No, 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 in Jesus' name, no, in Jesus' name. Plan ahead, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. (laughs) Sure, we got some security protocols here and some people have some idea of what to do, but none of it's out of fear. You can't, you can't live your life out of fear. You can't do things out of fear. You can't wear your seatbelt because you're afraid you might die in a car crash. You can't train your kids in fear. Don't run out on that road. I'm afraid you're going to get killed. Don't say that out loud to your child. Sure, instruct them that it's not too wise to run out there in the middle of the road when there's cars coming. Instruct them with wisdom, not with fear. Don't, don't, don't put boundaries of fear around kids. That's ignorant. That's a person that doesn't know God, doesn't know the Bible, doesn't have any wisdom. Don't live your life that way. We have to do this as if it's all true. We have to do this as if the Bible's true and if Jesus, as if Jesus is real and if the, as if the angels are really here, as if they really do keep thee from all, from all harm. How far does, you know, this freedom from fear go with you? Read the Eliminate the Fear Factor book again. If you haven't read the book, Pastor Joni's book will help you get free from fear. How far does it go? I mean, years ago, this kind of thing started and it's still going. Uh, People are preparing for... uh, uh, I don't know what they're preparing for. Uh, zombie apocalypse? I don't know what what is it? What are they preparing for? Doomsday. So, doomsday stuff where they they they're, they're they're packing they're packing up guns and ammo. And army rations, food. Building bunkers. Storing up food. Why? Fear and pride. I got it all figured out. Ain't nothing going to happen to me. Well, you don't need God, I guess. You just use your guns. So, so because, of, because of the fear of whatever, now you're in bondage to, ro- to rotating your army rations. Every five years, I got to buy new food. You're in bondage. You're spending way too much money, thinking way too much about stuff that has no impact on your daily life. You're going to live and die, and there's not going to be any apocalypse of any sort that you need your guns for. Good word. You're wasting all of your energy, all of your time, and all of your faith when you could be helping people right now. You could be having a good attitude about life and about God, living the abundant life, leading others to Jesus, expressing the love of God. Instead, you're not even in a church You're at home hiding, building your bunker, living all by yourself with your Bible. That's not healthy. That's not reality. And it's certainly not faith in God's word. So if you have bunkers and ammo and guns and food, bring them to the church and we'll distribute to people that need. No, I don't know. I don't know what you do with it. Every time a certain party takes office, everybody runs to the gun store to buy extra bullets. <laughs> hey, there, I mean, there's some logic to, to some things, that, but um, don't do anything because of fear whatsoever. Right. And don't do anything because of pride yeah. whatsoever. Sometimes people just get into all that stuff because they feel tough and they want to be unique. Your bunker does not make you unique All it means is you have a strange hobby. Let's leave it at that. And Listen, I I realize that there are probably people in here that are not real happy with me right now. Your little closet of, of of army rations. Well, let's look at it this way. Okay, so you wasted your money. Look, everybody in here wastes money on something. So you wasted yours on that, no harm done. I'm not condemning you. Just don't do things out of fear. Did I recover myself? Listen, that is not the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a commission to live this life and live it with people. Not to take up the sword. Jesus, put your sword up. It's because Elaine wants to hear me keep talking about these things. It just keeps coming out of me. Peter pulled out his sword to protect the king of kings. (laughs) Jesus said, put your sword up. My kingdom's not of this world. If it were of this world, my servants would fight, but it's not. And so then that's not the time to fight right now. We're going to, we're going to fight. I'm not fighting until I get my white horse. We're going to, we're going to come back to the earth on a white horse and we're going to wipe out all the evil in one day. I'm going to save up my energy for that. Praise the Lord. I know some people say, well, maybe it's wisdom to prepare. Maybe God's leading me with wisdom. Well, like, like Joseph, you know, seven fat years, seven lean years. Okay, okay, I get that. Uh, but really, since the cross, we, we all have miracle working power now. It's like way different. We all now can cause food to come. You don't have to be a special prophet or have a special dream to have a miracle. Jesus had every need met. And he rebuked them for not having the same faith. Yes. Right. How are we going to feed all these people? We don't have enough money. And he, This he said to test them. And so he fed all the 5,000. If they needed tax money, they just went fishing and found a coin. If he needed a donkey, he said, go get the donkey. If you needed an upper room, get the upper room. Whoa. Whatever we need, we have. So don't, don't look at it as, I got to protect myself. God showing me how to protect myself. Praise the Lord. So here's some other weird little fear things. Uh, Don't don't let fear jump on you. And and you'll have to catch it because sometimes it's a very spiritual force that kind of jumps and it'll open uh, the door to destruction. I remember a certain brother uh, went to a funeral of a peer, a friend of his, and he said, you know, this spirit of death got all over me. Fear and death got all over him. And within a short time, it caused some really harmful events and ailments in his body. And he ended up, you know, eventually it was death, but uh, he, he knew it. He, he, he told me. He said, you know, Pastor, this thing jumped all over me. I haven't been able to shake it. We tried to help him. And this is a couple years after, you know, I didn't know. Uh, weird things can happen. You know, uh, wives, I've seen wives uh, have this fear that their husband is going to, they're jealous and so they're watching their husband at church, you know. Now husbands don't be weird at church, but I've seen that mess mess marriages up where you can't be a free you can't be free to serve God and love people because you're worried about your husband or your wife. <clears throat> people fear have fear of losing their job. They probably did. I used to every time the dog we used to have dogs. Uh, uh, And every time they would escape out of the backyard, they're gone. And I would have to deal with the fear of uh, Pastor Joni. (laughs) So I was uh, frantically looking for those dogs. But then I soon learned, because the backyard's my responsibility, so I, I take the heat if the dogs escape. And I, I finally learned that, you know, the punishment wasn't so bad. Just had to take it like a man. Sorry about that. I'll build another contraption out there to solve the problem. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. But God helps us, and he always got the dogs back. And we had, I had phone calls at, at church. Sunday morning church phone call. got your dog three neighborhoods over or something. (laughs) But God always protected us. One time I was in the house and I heard these kids outside walking by and they seemed a little close, but not abnormally. And I I heard them and they were, and I thought, I'm gonna look out the window and see what they're doing. And I saw my dog out. They had opened my gate just to let the dog out because the dog barks at people. They opened my gate. And I saw them, they were kind of walking way down the street. So I got my BB gun. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, I got my water balloon launcher. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I didn't do anything. I just got my dog back in. But God protected me. That was the point. If this is your first time in church tonight... Have a little mercy. Yeah. Pastor Joni's not here. That's what the problem is. <laughs> I don't have to run any jokes by her when she's not here. I don't think I violated any of her regulations. Um, there was a couple words she, she didn't used to let me say in church. I quit saying them. Um, not, not cuss words or anything, just, just words that she didn't like what it sounded like. Anyway, first John chapter four, somebody needs to go to the Bible. First John chapter four. Now was first John chapter four here, verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. It's an interesting connection. You know, nobody, in there, nobody would come up with this connection, right? With natural human psychology, no one would come up with this, this connection. This is a very supernatural, very divine connection between love and fear. Love is such a deep thing. It's such a grand thing in the kingdom of God. It's the nature of God. Perfect love casts out fear. Developed love. Completed love. Mature love casts out fear. Fear has torment, but if you walk in love, you won't be tormented. Why? Because you're no longer in fear of self or death. Perfect love casts out fear. All fear is related to earthly things not going your way. You realize? All fear is related to world issues not going your way. Perfect love delivers you from the world. I'm no longer afraid of things. I have, heaven, I have my heavenly father. I have, I'm, in the, I'm in the family of God. He's got me. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of my reputation. I'm not afraid of what you think about me, although I sure hope you like me. Sure, I want everybody to like me. Sure, I love you so much. I want you to love me back, but it, it doesn't move me to the place out of love. Like, I'm never, I'm never thinking to myself that I'm scared somebody doesn't love me. Perfect love casts out fear, a rejection, and all those things. So whatever's in you, you have to fight it to, to get the love of God to, to squeeze out or push out everything wrong. Uh, go to John 8. John 8, 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So there, you got to know the truth so you can be free. The biggest freedom you're ever going to have is just knowing the more truth. The more truth you know, the freer you're going to feel. So rejoice in that. Enjoy that. Rejoice in that. Verse (laughs) 34. Verse 34. Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Praise the Lord. So just say it out loud. Say, I am free indeed. Am free indeed. Christ has made me free and I'm free indeed. Free I free indeed. Yeah. Say it a thousand more times, not right now. Get it in your heart. Amen. Uh, target something you need to be free from and say it a thousand times. Like, I don't have any idea how I could be free from such and such. Target it in your mind and say it a thousand times against it. And watch the power rise. Watch the faith rise. Watch the uh, deliverance rise as you overcome it by faith. But you got to say it out loud with your mouth. So that's where the power's from. Romans 6 says, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Go to Romans 8, 2. Well, I could just quote it to you. Uh, But I want to read verse 1 and 2, so let's go there. Romans 8, verse 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if, you, if you're in Christ Jesus, you don't have to feel condemned about things. If you live a flesh life, you'll have to deal with condemnation a lot. But if you'll walk after the Spirit, you won't even have to deal with condemnation. But the bottom line is, positionally, you are not, not, if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation to you. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's this new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and that makes you free from the law of sin and death. That means you're free from the law that said, if you sin, you die. That means you're free from the law that said, if you sin, you're cursed. That means you're free from the law that said, if you commit transgression, then you pay for it. You're freed from that law. And that's why y'all are still here. That's why you're all still here. Because God didn't punish you for all your sins. Old Testament always punished. New Testament freed from that law, which is the law of Moses. This new law has freed you from that old law of paying for your sins quickly. So you're freed from that law. All right. Praise the Lord. First uh, Corinthians. Go to first Corinthians chapter nine. First Corinthians chapter nine, you know, anything that you're in bondage to, you need to just make a decision that you're not going to be in bondage to it anymore. I remember Kenneth Hagin telling the story that uh, he decided one time that uh, for some reason he was drinking too much Coca-Cola and he decided that's it. I'll never drink another Coca-Cola as long as I live. And he never did. Teenager. I don't want to make that declaration, but he did. (laughs) I'm not saying everybody's supposed to not drink Coca-Cola, but he, 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 for himself, that was a big deal. That was maybe something he lusted after, maybe something he thought way too much of. Uh, and in his walk with God, he recognized, you know what, there's no reason for this to be that big in my life. And he just decided and stopped it. I remember Kenneth Copeland told the story. He, uh, he used to be real fat. I don't know how fat, but he was fat. And... Uh, he realized this was a problem in his life. So he got all the sweets in his house and all the donuts and all the cakes and all the cookies and he put them in the dining table and he laid his hands on them and said, I'll never eat another one of these as long as I live. And he didn't. Let's pray for, let's pray for Brother Copeland. So he's missing some delicacy of life, but he's free from the bondage of it. So for each of us, you may need to get free from something. How? By, by making a decision. Not, not through struggle. We're not struggling here. You make a decision. Even if you're addicted, if you make a faith decision, addiction can be broken like that. You make a faith decision, it'll disappear. Supernaturally. Because Christ has set us free. Because the power of God is real. Because you can be free from everything that keeps you in bondage. And he's a lot skinnier and healthier. And he's what, 86? 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1. Paul says this, he says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Skip down to verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Okay. Notice that term, I'm, I'm free from all men. All, I'm free from all people. I'm not in bondage by any person. Now, if you're married, you're stuck to your wife, but that's not supposed to be bondage. And, and husband, you're not supposed to be, that's not bondage. Uh, but we are free from all people. Right. Nobody keeps you in bondage. Nobody keeps I'm free from all men. I'm freed from their, uh, their thoughts of me. I'm freed from their control of me. I'm freed from their pressure that they might put on me. You know, We say all the time that if, if somebody's pressuring you, uh, for me, if anybody's pressuring me, that's a sure sign I'm about to do the opposite, even if you're silently pressuring me, because pressure's not from God. It's from the devil and from people that are under control of the devil. And so pressure is not from God. He leads us. He's gentle with us. He's never a shover. And so pressure is not good for anybody. But I'm not afraid of people, so you can just say what you want, think what you want. A salesman, um, they're not going to get my business if they push me. Oh, you know, it's today only. Well, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Galatians 5.1, I'll just quote this one. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We've taught this a lot. The yoke of bondage he's referring to there is the law. Christ has made us free. Don't be entangled again with, with the law parameters, the ceremonial law for Israel. Don't be entangled again with that. We will all eat bacon tonight but people do it. Even Christians do it all the time. They think, oh, well, look, look what's in the Bible here. Look what God did with Israel. If he, uh, you know, that was his favorite people of the whole earth. So, so he, whatever he told them certainly would apply today. It's his best plan. Uh, Don't do that. Don't get entangled with the law of Moses. There was a reason for, for God showing the clean versus the unclean. Because if you're going to start obeying any of the law, you got to obey all the law. And that means that men can't trim their beards. That's one of the laws. And that's why you see Orthodox Jews. They're fluffy. Their face is very, very fluffy. Praise the Lord. All right. Hallelujah. Well, we could go further, but we don't need to. Free from unbelief, free from doubt. We could go on and on and on, all the things you're freed from. Free from sickness and disease, free from demons, free from all sorts of psychological problems. Uh, the power of God is in us. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So some of these things you just need some wisdom in and you make a decision based on the wisdom of God. Other things you need the power of God to get yourself free. But Christ is both of those to us. So you stay close to him, you stay glued to him, you stay in him, you pray in tongues so that it's fresh in you and you can have dominance and victory and overcome all the struggles of this life. Isn't that exciting? Glory to God, praise the Lord, lift your hands to him, just sit there, lift your hands to him and thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. Father, we thank you for the victory that's in Christ Jesus, for the freedom that's in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I'm free, free, free. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free from that and that and that and that. Free from the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I'm freed from the lust of the world. I'm freed from the world, free, 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 free from the world, free from myself. Thank you, Lord. I'm free, 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 free. Thank God. Thank God. Sometimes just our, the way we think, we need to get free in the way that we think. Thank you, Lord. I'm free, free, free. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.